0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. As far as the trade is concerned, we're, we're thrilled to have Jason. We really think he's going to make us a better team. Uh, we believe he's a top six forward. He's a guy
1: that that has attributes that will fit into the style of play that we're trying to play. Connor has a quad injury. He's going to be out two to three weeks. We're hoping uh, less than that. Connor decided to go back to Toronto. He's got his team of people there and his facilities. He's going to do his treatment there while we're on the road trip and expect to see Connor back when we get back next, uh, next Monday.
0: No shortage of topics for us to talk about. Welcome into another edition of Our Line Starts with Ben Lovejoy and Patrick Sharp. I'm Catherine Tappan. Happy to have you with us. And for those that are listening to the podcast, they don't know that we're actually sitting in front of this lovely board that our colleagues at NBC Sports made us that we've been showing throughout the broadcast over the last couple weeks with 700 pucks. They're too shy of 700 right now because Ovechkin has not scored 700. But this stinks, you guys, sitting next to this. It smells like burnt rubber. smells
1: like money.
2: 700 goals is a lot of money.
0: it's a lot of pucks.
1: I've only hung out with pucks in a locker room, and there are other things that smell way worse (laughs) in the locker room.
0: But here in the studio,
1: those really stink. Yeah,
0: 700 pucks stacked up. Who knew that it was L 698 It was going to smell so bad? Anyway, we're going to stop complaining. We're going to tell you what's coming up on the podcast. Tough news out of Edmonton, as Connor McDavid will miss two to three weeks just as that playoff race heats up. Very disappointing for the Oilers captain. We're going to talk about the impact his absence may have on that tight Pacific Division race. We've got some trade talk as well. Less than two weeks until the official NHL trade deadline, but the Penguins and the Wild make a deal. Who came out on top of this one? The guys are going to weigh in on that. And a huge weekend coming up on NBC, highlighted by the Stadium Series game between the Avs and the Kings at the Air Force Academy. Looking forward to that one. Patrick and I will be out there. We're going to preview that event, plus a conversation with Vegas Golden Knights forward Max Pacioretty. But we begin with the news out of Edmonton, and it's not good. Oilers captain Connor McDavid is expected to miss two to three weeks with a quad injury this is according to general manager Ken Holland Holland says the quad injury is uh, completely unrelated to the PCL knee injury that he had last summer but either way this is going to be a huge impact for the Edmonton Oilers who are fighting for postseason position I mean Sharpie talk about what this means and how Edmonton's going to recover from this loss
2: well, first let's hope it's not related I mean it's the same leg is it not that knee injury was no joke last year when how hard McDavid worked to come back and how well he was playing this year but this is a disaster for the Oilers. All season long, I don't know about you, Benny, but I've been saying that Edmonton's a good team because they have McDavid and Dreisaitl. You take away one of the game's best players, uh, all of a sudden it's a very different-looking team. And you look at the standings in that Western Conference, everything is so tight. I'm not sure if the Oilers can afford to lose this guy.
1: Uh, I don't think they can. Uh, <laughs> history would show that, that they can't win games without, without Connor McDavid. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl is leading the NHL in scoring. Um, if he's able to drag this team to the playoffs and keep this team in playoff position the next three weeks, then he should be uh, a, f- a front-runner for the Hart Trophy. But this is a team, um, Ken Holland came in, he's going to build the depth eventually, but it's not there yet. Uh, this is Connor McDavid um, and Leon Dreisaitl, and then a huge drop-off. I hope for the sake of the game, because it, it's awesome to have Connor McDavid in the playoffs, I hope they can they can pull this out. But uh, without him, it's going to be very difficult. And well, it's
2: not just McDavid's loss. He makes everybody else so much better. So forget McDavid's points. He produces every single night. But mm-hmm. all those guys that ride shotgun with Connor McDavid, Zach Cassian's found an offensive touch all of a sudden. Right, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins has filled the net as of late. James Neal, after that great start. Now these guys got to do it without 97.
0: And, you know, you think about this tight playoff race, as I've mentioned. uh, We're going to show you the standings here out west and in the Pacific Division. So Edmonton is three points behind Vancouver. So they could very easily be number one in the division. They could also very easily be out of the playoff picture. Look at that. Arizona entering play on Tuesday night, one point out of the final wild card spot and they are just one point behind the edmonton oilers so one point separates you from being out of the playoffs it's crazy
2: and their provincial rival calgary flames they're missing their captain for a little bit of time as well that's going to hurt the back end of the calgary flames winnipeg's playing some great hockey i think they're trending in the upwards direction arizona's got their own injuries to worry about i like nashville minnesota will get to them later They seem to be in seller mode even though they're right there in the hunt so It's wide open there in the Western Conference. Edmonton's going to have to pull up their socks and play some real playoff hockey starting now if they want to get into the postseason. I mean, You
0: guys have both played played on teams when the superstar player goes out of the lineup. I mean, Sidney Crosby, a great example. Ben, the the years you were there. Uh, What exactly is the mindset in that locker room right now for the Edmonton Oilers and what they have to do in the absence of Connor McDavid?
1: Nobody can go out and fill in for Connor McDavid. Nobody's going to go out and all of a sudden play like the best player in the world. What everyone needs to do is step up their game and play their best hockey. sidle needs to be the best sidle. Darnell Nurse needs to be the dar- best Darnell Nurse. And all down that roster, everybody has to raise their game to the level they're completely capable of. And if they do that, they have a chance. Uh, you seem to like the teams they're competing with. Uh, but if, if you look outside that division, I don't think Arizona is playing very well. I don't think Nashville's playing very well. Minnesota sold last night. Who knows? They've been playing well, but... Um, I don't know if they can do it you're you're you know Chicago very well Um, they have a chance but um, Edmonton has a pretty good chance if they're able to maintain but that's a very big if. yeah
2: as far as how the others are going to play it's funny I've been on teams where we've lost Patrick Kane at different times Jonathan Taves missed significant periods of hockey earlier in his career And short term, I feel like you can get away with it. You know, for a week, two weeks, maybe three weeks, everybody kind of elevates their game a little bit and you get a little push from the squad that way. And then when that superstar player comes back, you're even better. But... I don't know. Connor McDavid's kind of a different animal to me. He does so much for that Oilers team. It'll be interesting to see how they respond.
0: Yeah, we've seen some teams have to get through significant injuries in their lineup so far this season. I mean, you look at the St. Louis Blues and Vladimir Tarasenko being out the majority of the year. They've managed to maintain their position. But another team that suffered a huge loss, we found out yesterday, is Seth Jones. Blue Jackets defenseman Seth Jones. He's going to be sidelined eight to ten weeks after undergoing surgery to repair a fractured ankle. This is very big for Columbus. They ended up... uh, losing in overtime to the Tampa Bay Lightning last night. But this is a team that's battled through injuries, but Seth Jones on the blue line. I mean, Ben, how are they going to compensate for this?
1: They're not. They're going to have to do this as a complete team. He is another guy. He is just as important to his team as Connor McDavid is to his. Um, Seth Jones is elite. He plays gigantic minutes. Um, We've seen Columbus deal with injuries. We've seen... How they've been able to to cover up for guys out of the lineup. They're uh, they're on their second goalie. They lost mm-hmm. huge firepower last year, and I think it speaks to John Tortorella the job he's done. Um, when they're defending, there it, it's it's picture perfect. Their sticks are in the right lane. They're always in the right spot. They're not cheating for offense. We saw without Seth Jones how well they played against uh, a red hot Tampa Bay Lightning team last last night. But I'm of school two schools of thought. It could be. He could be the one guy they can't replace. Um, And he's so good, and they're going to miss him a lot. Part of the reason why Columbus
2: has managed to stay afloat this year with all the injuries that they've had is because they've had Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones on the back end. And when you have two stud defensemen on the ice or one on the ice, so covering the entire 60-minute mm-hmm. game, you're in pretty good shape. I always think back to that Anaheim team with Pronger and Niedermeyer back in 2005, I think it was, 2006 maybe. They were just so difficult to play against. Every time you go out there, you're against one or the other. Well, Now you got to do it without Seth Jones. This will be a lot to overcome, but uh, I'm not going to doubt John Tortorella. He's done a great job with that team. Wouldn't mind a couple ugly losses in there just so we can get a post game conference, press conference <laughs> from sorts and, and have some good one liners. But uh, Columbus Blue Jackets have been a resilient group all year. Yeah,
0: they've found a way to win, that's for sure. They have great goaltending this year as well, which we weren't sure about with Bobrovsky going to Florida in the offseason. Um, here's how they look in the standings, though. They are in that first wild card spot with 70 points, just one point ahead of the Philadelphia Flyers, occupying the final spot in the East. So it is tight in the East as well. Columbus uh, going to have to get through this significant injury. And okay to Seth Jones. You see the Pittsburgh Penguins there. They're second in the Metropolitan Division behind the Washington Capitals, who've been great all year. But Pittsburgh made a move earlier this week. Trade deadline coming up on February 24th but Jim Rutherford wasting no time acquiring Jason Zucker from the Minnesota Wild for Alex Galchenyuk, a young defensive prospect and Kalen Addison and a conditional 2020 first-round pick. Jim Rutherford is always very crafty around the trade deadline. We've seen him make some moves. His team is in a good position, but he sets up this trade and it bodes pretty nicely for the Pittsburgh Penguins Ben
1: Jim Rutherford has come in and just gone all in every year Um, he hasn't he seems like he never has a first round pick he's going for it every year and why wouldn't you with the players that he has Um, Jason Zucker is going to come in and fill in for Jake Gensel and he plays a perfect style that Mike Sullivan will want he plays he's ultra fast and then but he wants to play a grinding game and that's exactly what even the superstars do in Pittsburgh and then I think for Minnesota, this is, this is perfect. For, for too long, Minnesota's been, been satisfied just making the playoffs and not really having a chance at, at the Stanley Cup. I think that Bill Guerin has come in and, and at this point needs to tear it down a little bit. He needs to get younger. Um, a couple of years ago, Uh, when they had Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi in their prime, they were going for it. Um, They're not in their prime anymore. They're an old team. They need to get younger, and getting a first-round pick is a good start.
2: Our research guy, Jake Abrahams, is in my ear telling me that I'm 4-0 against the Minnesota Wild (laughs) in the playoffs, so I've kind of set their organization back a little bit over the years. (laughs) It's your fault. This is one of those trades that really, I think, helps both teams, and Zucker's a guy that... Look at number 87, Crosby. The types of wingers, Benny, you know better than anybody... He likes that grinding style approach. He wants a third, fourth line checkers mentality with an offensive touch. And Gensel was that guy that used his quickness to get to holes. He has tight hands or good hands in tight areas around that. Got a real nice scoring touch. Zucker's not exactly the same type of player, but he competes hard. He goes to those dirty areas. He can score goals. I think that's a good match. Of course, we won't know what it's going to look like until they play with each other. Uh, But if not Crosby, then he got Malkin there. We heard Mike Sullivan say he's a top six player for the Penguins. So let's hope it works out for their sake. And then Minnesota, they're playing the, the long game here. They know that they've got some older players in their team. They're probably not in the win-now mode. They're going to take a chance on Galchenyuk. Hopefully he gets comfortable, maybe finds his game on another chance with a different organization. That first-round pick is viable, and the prospect, Addison, is a young guy that's going to kind of learn how to play on the fly here with, with the Minnesota Wilds. So lots of like about this trade. The fact that Rutherford got it done early means he knows what he's looking for, and he went out and got it done.
0: Well, Bill Guerin uh, on the trade had this to say, if there is any quit, I can guarantee you there will be more trades. So more to come for Minnesota, I guess.
1: Sounds like it, (laughs) doesn't it? It it does. And Bill Guerin is is the alpha male in that organization. He's a huge personality. He knows exactly what he's doing. I'm sure he has ownership's blessing to sort of start this Mm -hmm. process over, to go young, to get to get younger to get rid of some of his older players to to start over and build fresh and minnesota needs to do that and with his quote you 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 can tell when it's coming down from the top these guys are going to be playing hard because this is an opportunity for them to, to maybe squeak into the playoffs, but more set themselves up for jobs for next long year. Long
0: term, yeah, and he's got a good relationship with Jim Rutherford, having worked underneath him as the assistant GM in Pittsburgh for so many years. All right, so we'll see what happens with the Wild and the Penguins. Meanwhile, we shift our attention to the outdoor game coming up this weekend. It's at the Air Force Academy. It'll be between the Colorado Avalanche And the Los Angeles Kings, uh, part of the stadium series for the NHL. These games are always outstanding. This is going to be a unique situation at a service academy. Uh, We had one at the Naval Academy a couple years ago, which was tremendous. So I'm looking forward to this. You guys have played in multiple outdoor games. What makes them so special? Sharpie, how many did you play in?
2: I played in two Winter Classics. The the Wrigley (laughs) Field one uh, and the one in Washington, the baseball stadium. And then Soldier Field was a stadium series game. So three outdoor games total and uh, you know, things were moving fast there for the Blackhawks from 2010 to 2015. And events like this were ones that we sure we got our money's worth. We enjoy the experience. Make sure you have your family and friends at the game. It is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, even though we got to do three of them. Uh, the Hawks even played two more after I was was retired playing. So. Uh, It's cool, though. It brings you back to being a kid playing outside. It's a different feel. One thing I did notice was the noise. There was a delay from the crowd before uh, you hear it on the ice.
0: The crowd's so far away from the ice, right? Exactly.
2: You score some goals or somebody scores on the ice and all of a sudden there's that two, three second delay and the place goes (laughs) nuts. Uh, It's cool. I mean, I don't think my record was very good in those games, but had a lot of fun and my memories are all pretty special.
1: I played in one, and I was healthy scratched for one, so I had the best seat in the house. So <laughs> I, I've done both. Um, I was healthy scratched for the game um, where Sidney Crosby ran into uh, David Stecker. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Very infamous. And then I played in one at Dodger Stadium um, with the Anaheim Ducks against the Kings. And it, uh, until I, I ended up winning the Stanley Cup, my team ended up winning the Stanley Cup, it was the coolest hockey experience okay. of my life. Um, Dodger Stadium with fifty thousand people. Uh, it was hot. There were you could see the palm trees in the background. The USC band was playing, um, and it it sort of at this time it, it sort of showed that Southern California hockey was taking off. It was the crown jewel of of hockey in Southern California at this point, point. and it was it was so special. We won three nothing. All I wanted to do was was score a goal so I could go around the bases and do the, the Gibson pump where he's hobbling around but uh, I scored 20 career goals and it just wasn't
0: happening. <laughs> it wasn't happening that night. Well, we did, I mentioned we did have the one at the Naval Academy a couple years ago and it was so special and, and really unique. I mean, you go into different ballparks, you go into different stadiums, it's one thing. We were at the Cotton Bowl for New Year's Day this year, Sharpie with the Dallas Stars and the Nashville Predators but there's something special about the Service Academy and the pomp and circumstance around these games. Uh, I'm excited to go to the Air force i haven't been to the air force academy the only one of the three service academies i have not been to yet but you know we're going to get a chance to tour the campus beforehand and really get an idea of how these cadets live i know rutledge wood has some great uh things in store for us this weekend i think he's going up in a plane i'm not going to give away too much but um these are the types of things that the service only a service academy can provide for our coverage
2: yeah it's going to be cool every one of these outdoor games whether it's the winter classic or the stadium series provides a different element and just coming off the Texas one in, in Dallas. That was pretty cool, right? We had pig mm-hmm. races going on in the infield. <laughs> uh, lots of like, Texas county fairs. Was, yeah. was, was,
0: you and was I will not be on a Ferris wheel this game. I yeah, can guarantee you well, that.
2: We're not going on a plane. We're I not going to, on too, a plane.
0: No fighter jets. I've been there, done that. No, we're good. I'm it'll, done with the heights.
2: It'll be fun, though. Hopefully the, the weather's going to hold off and be nice because that's always the biggest thing. Sun was the biggest thing for me. I don't know about what you felt about it. I didn't care about the wind or the, the snow that was coming down. Uh, the sun, the brightness, was always a
1: factor for me. Um, our game was at night, so it, that didn't affect me. But the heat—we're mm-hmm. um, spoiled NHL players. We wanted the, the ice needs to be perfect, the temperature needs to be perfect. Um, so I was dying in the <laughs> Southern California heat, even at night. Um, I, I, the whole team—we were we were prepared for sort of cold weather, uh, and we were all just sweating profusely the whole time. So. Um, that was the big difference for me.
0: Yeah, there's always a challenge for players. Uh, let's talk about the matchup in this game, though, because you've got a, a Kings team that's had a tough season, but a Avs team that is really one of the better teams out West. However, Nazem Kadri okay. now out indefinitely with an injury for him. We've been talking about the injuries throughout the podcast. Um, Colorado, this is a big two points for them, Sharpie. I mean, the, this is a very, very tight Western Conference. And
2: they got to get back on track. All season long, I've been pumping their tires, thinking they're a team in the West that's going to go on a deep playoff run. Nazem Kadri is an interesting player. I think Toronto misses him a little bit of his uh, aggressive play down the center-ice mm-hmm. position and he was a huge benefit. Uh, for the Colorado Avalanche. Gave them a different element. You got the speed and power of McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, that top line, and then Kadri can kind of play that defensive role and also chip in with 30 goals a year. That's not a bad player to have. We'll see how they react without him. They've been banged up a little bit this year, but they are a fun team to watch, and they got a ton of star power. Kale McCarr on the back end. Are you kidding me? Like fun to watch. The confidence that he has coming out of college to be able to do some of the things that he's doing at the NHL level is special to watch. So and L.A. too, this is a cool moment for them. they got a lot of older players that have had great careers. And they will always remember this outdoor game as well.
1: I think the altitude's going to be a huge factor. Mm-hmm. Um, Colorado is used to playing in Denver, mile high. They're used to playing with this speed. Um, L.A. is not a team that's fleet of foot to begin with. Um, you're, you're going up to Colorado Springs. I think it's going to be a big factor, and uh, I hope they get there early and get adjusted. Yeah, I don't all miss right. that feeling. <laughs> Not one bit.
0: We're going to get there early. Sharpie's on his way there now. We're going to get there early and I got get OB adjusted, watch too. Yeah, me. you got Obi watch. We got pucks to watch. Okay, well, it is an 8 o'clock Eastern puck drop on NBC on Saturday night at the Air Force Academy. We're looking forward to that one. Hope you'll tune in and join us as we shift our attention to another team out west, and it's the Vegas Golden Knights. They also are in that tight Pacific Division race. And over the All-Star Weekend, Michael Farber had a chance to sit down with Max Pacioretty. So here's that conversation.
3: This is a personally resurgent season for you, at least looking at, at the point total. Explain.
4: Just having a good year, I think. Uh, last year, uh, came into a situation where the team had already had a tremendous amount of su- success. Um, you kind of got our sh- your stripes in this organization. Whereas they're not just going to hand everything to you just because you had had prior success, you got to uh, prove that you fit in with the team, your teammates, that you're going to work hard, commit to the system, playing both ends of the rink. Um, I just feel comfortable now. I feel uh, I'm playing with some great players. Uh, Mark Stone is one of the best players in the league. We were able to pick him up last year, and I've played with him uh, more or less this entire time. So, uh, um, got to. You know, give a lot of the credit to the organization for helping me along the way, but also playing with some great players.
3: Your division is fascinating, because yeah. I never know whether you're in the playoffs or out of the playoffs yeah. on, on any given day. Uh, you can finish first or miss. What's the second half going to be like in this push for the playoffs?
4: Well, we play a lot of those teams in our division as well, so this is going to be a really intense time of the schedule here, but it's also going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be able to Um, Prove uh, to people that, you know, we should be at the top of that division.
3: You also have a different coach Were you surprised by what happened and what do you see DeBoer bringing to the group?
4: Yeah, there was a lot of emotions uh, when they When they made the coaching change, you know, the timing of it were on the road and right before the break here, so I think uh, You know, we have we have had a lot of uh, Video a little bit longer practices trying to get down uh, the tweaks in the system that we're going to make
3: Unfinished business after last year and that odd ending to your playoff series. Is that how you feel?
4: Yeah, big time um, And you mentioned the coach that that we got was uh, It was against him. So We didn't like him much as soon as he came to our side that changed quickly But yeah, we do have unfinished business uh, we all talked about uh, the way things ended last year. We've made a big deal of it, um, but we're past that now. At the end of the day, um, we all you know, should take responsibility um, for allowing that to happen, um, and we have. But now it's time to move on, and it's time to prove that uh, that's not the team we are.
3: Why is playoff hockey so damn hard?
4: Playoff hockey is a man's game, but I think even more so is there's a lot of scouting a lot of video now, a lot of analytics, a lot of uh, tendencies, and, and that you're able to kind of pre-scout and see what guys, you know, generally do. Goal scorers generally score, you know, similar goals uh, time after time during the year, and it's easier to, you know, scout one team than it is to scout, you know, 30 other teams. So it's really hard on the top players. That's why oftentimes you see some of the the role players who end up. Um, having some more success um, but also the really high-end guys, it's really fun to watch when they do have success, even though teams are scouting them because it just means that uh, you know they're putting in the work to to try and uh, expand their game and make them you know harder to read.
3: Had you given up on the thought that one day you'd go to the All-Star game?
4: Yeah, I think I did. I think uh, I thought as I turned 30, probably that ship would have sailed. Um, generally, it's a thing that I you know, want to get younger, exciting, more exciting players to come. Um, I thought I had a couple opportunities there, but obviously kind of always uh, behind a couple of players in line while playing in Montreal. That being said, I wouldn't be able to experience this for the first time with my, with my four kids if I had gone before, um, so I couldn't ask for a better way of it playing out.
3: How about your oldest, the six-year-old, and yeah. finding out you were an All-Star?
4: Yeah, he uh, wakes up earlier than I do and immediately turns on uh, NHL Network, and uh, he had told me a couple of times, he said, I think you have a chance. I said, didn't want to get his hopes up. I said, probably not, buddy. And uh, initially when I didn't make it, a little bit of a letdown, but then once I told him, I, I said, I'm going to pick him up from school this day. And when I found out, and I did, and uh, he was just so excited. All of them were, but him more so, and uh, happy to experience it with them.
3: You've played in front of a couple of pretty good goalies in price and, and now flurry. do you feel blessed that way spoiled
4: yeah, I'm definitely spoiled i mean uh, probably the two best uh, in my mind um since i've played um completely different and and that's what's cool to see that there's not one way to have success even in a position that's you know pretty technical so um, definitely fortunate to uh, play with those two.
3: What makes Flurry so special?
4: Flurry is—he's uh, just contagious. He is the ultimate leader. He's the ultimate teammate. Every time he comes, every day he comes to the rink, he just has an attitude about him that I'm going to get better. I'm going to push you guys to get better. We're going to have fun doing it, and that kind of blocks out all the the negativity, whether it's from the outside or if, if things aren't going so well at the rink for yourself personally or for the team. He's, his energy just rubs off on you and uh, you know it, it says a lot about him that he's had so much success and he's had it while playing but even those, those years when he wasn't playing he, he definitely contributed a lot to their success
3: you're mentioning enthusiasm for the game we're watching a guy score on the cusp of scoring 700 goals and he seems mm-hmm. pretty enthusiastic as a goal scorer yourself you look at Ovechkin in 700 and what do you think?
4: I think best to ever do it. I think goaltending now. Uh, I mentioned the pre-scouting now. We all know where Ovi's standing on the power play. He still scores every every time he gets that chance. So, in my mind, I think the best to ever do it in terms of goal scoring. Um, was just such a weapon, and he's he's found other ways to score. He's expanded his game. That's why I feel like he's gotten even better uh, over the year. He's gotten smarter. Probably taking his chances. Uh, You know, uh, different areas of the ice and knowing when to take those chances, when not to. And obviously, he got uh, rewarded with the Stanley Cup. So, Um, yeah, you know, still a guy that I, even before I came in the pros, I was always trying to watch him and and try and learn his tendencies, but, you know, find myself still doing that.
3: Have you stolen something from his game?
4: No. (laughs) Uh, Maybe a little bit with the stick and the flex and the curve. That's something that he initially came in and and, You know started using a little bit of a bigger curve and a little bit more flex and uh, I think a lot of guys Have copied that myself included.
3: How fast is Connor McDavid?
4: I Can't believe how fast he is. I find myself uh, Trying to look up articles and about you know who taught him how to skate and and what he did for training found some pretty cool stuff, but uh, having kids of my own uh, I'm very interested in all that because they're they play a lot of hockey and uh, in my mind I don't think anyone's ever skated like him.
3: Yeah, it's like watching the Roadrunner cartoon. It's
4: like he has a some sort of secret that <laughs> that He's not telling us all as to how to become you know faster than everyone and No one's found out but him
0: Great conversation there with Michael Farber and Max Pacioretty. Best pipes in the league, by the way. The guy's got a career in broadcasting, if you'd like to get into Pacioretty it. Pacioretty does? That's right. Oh, yeah.
1: Big time. Our jobs are in <laughs> it's, trouble. It's, Be careful. It's, he's it's coming after you deep guys. And like, it's Sounds very nice. Uh-oh.
0: But, uh, you know, he's part of this Vegas team that we've been watching all season and kind of been wondering what's going to happen with Vegas because they've had some highs and lows. Sharpie, you weren't wondering. From day one, you've been saying this is your pick mm-hmm. to make the Stanley Cup final. So do you still think that?
2: I said that with – Wishful thinking in mind so I could go cover the final (laughs) in Vegas, but it was
0: still summer vacation for you when you made the pick. Yeah,
2: I do stand by it. I like their team. I think there's a lot of firepower up front. Uh, Flurry can get it done in the playoffs. We've seen that before. Uh, I do believe they need to strengthen their back end somehow. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do it, but they need to do that. I like the way they play under the new coach DeBoer as well. I think they're going to be a faster team, a four checking team. That's what Vegas was when we first saw them enter the league. There are a bunch of players that were castaways, so to speak. They had a chip on their shoulders, something to prove. They played the game fast. They played it hard. And they would smother teams with their speed. They've gotten away from that uh, in recent years, and I think that's something that's going to be a focus of theirs down the stretch. I like that home ice advantage as well in Vegas. So I'm not counting them out just yet. I think there's a lot to like about the Vegas Golden
1: Knights. I really like the Golden Knights. I think they're a number one D-man away from being almost a perfect hockey team. Uh, When they came into the league uh, this year, Last year, or the year before, um, they overwhelmed teams in the West with their speed. Um, teams in the in the West have traditionally been more plodding, more more grinded out. They came, and they were just fast. And they came with their one lines one through four. Um, they get Wild Bill Willem Carlson back tonight. That moves everybody down the lineup just a little bit, and makes everybody sort of slot into their position. I think Flurry's been very good of late. Um, I think their penalty kill has been very good, and I think they will they will continue to get better and better down the stretch, and and I do see them going deep in the playoffs too.
0: You played in front of Mark Andre Fleury for a couple years there, Ben. Uh, tell us what he brings to the rest of the team when you know that he's the final stopping man in net. You know for the for the Vegas Golden Knights. And what was it like playing in front of him?
1: Energy. Um, he's he's the most athletic guy sort of you've ever seen. He's this wiry, tall, goofy guy. Um, He's everybody's best friend in the locker room. And his legs are just so quick. He's so athletic. He's so good. Um, He's a guy you want to play for, uh, to battle in front of, because you just love him. You want to see him succeed. And I I think that he, like the rest of the team, uh, was not awesome early in the season. And Um, I think they've they've been playing more structured hockey um, and he's been been much better of late
2: He's a fun goalie to watch isn't he athletic makes those big saves that he's not supposed to make and when he does it on home ice the crowd really responds to it. I love seeing up him after a big save. You see those big, giant white T-shirts. Yeah, Matt. he's got the
0: best smile in the league. He's I always mean, having fun. Fun to day. interview him. Fun to be a you know watch his success over the years. And you mentioned that venue. I mean, Vegas Flu is no joke mm-hmm. there. I mean, it is a loud place. It's energetic. It's it's entertaining, and all those things combine to make it difficult for the opponent when you're playing there.
1: And when when the Vegas Flu was first talked about, it was <laughs> it was four years ago, and it was because guys were going to go out. They were going to be at the Bellagio. Until four in the morning, <laughs> they were going to be doing things they shouldn't be. Um, but the Vegas flu was really just how well they played, how yeah, fast they they're were. Good. Guys couldn't catch up, and they came in and they punched te- punched teams in the mouth right away. And that crowd is is like a club. It is like nothing else I've ever played in front of. And my first year in Jersey, we beat them eight to two. And the place was still going nuts. Like I, I couldn't believe it. It's like nothing I've ever seen. Yeah. Um. And and it's going to be rocking down the stretch. I and
0: mean, when you've got Cirque du Soleil performing in your intermissions, <laughs> it's a special atmosphere. All right, well, we talked about the stadium series coming up this weekend. We look forward to that one. And then Sunday, we shift our attention to Hockey Day in America. And, guys, this is an initiative we've had for probably the better part of the last decade. It's always fun. We've got lots of games throughout the day, but also great stories. And we're really starting to see the influence of hockey in the United States and the growth of hockey. And, I mean, Ben, you are a product of that, growing up in New Hampshire and, and excelling at the collegiate level and then ultimately ultimately at the NHL level. When you see the players that come into the league today, what does that tell you about USA Hockey?
1: It's, it's... It's something that I take a lot of pride in. Um, we've been looked down upon by Canada. For by that. who? By Canada. <laughs> oh, and, really? <laughs> and you guys deserve it. You, you guys deserve it. You guys have been elite for forever. Um, 1996, watching that World Cup, um, you watch Mike Richter and net. Um, that was a huge part of my childhood development. Uh, I, I saw American players guys that went to colleges, that went to schools, grew up in neighborhoods that we grew up, come in and be successful on the world stage. And that, that sort of lit a fire. I think the the National Team Development Program has done an incredible job um, just churning out first-round pick after first-round pick after first-round pick. And I think we're getting closer. We're, we haven't beaten you guys on the elite stage enough, but I, I do think with the talent that, that continues to come in uh, homegrown American talent. Mm-hmm. We're, we're gonna we're gonna get more and more competitive and eventually we're gonna be
2: I'm with you I can't wait to see the next best-on-best best tournament wherever that may be.
0: Hopefully Beijing.
2: Yeah, that'd be nice The USA's got some talented players a lot of individual talent It'll be fun to get those two teams together Canada USA. I mean Sweden's gotten better, too But as far as hockey day in America, I grew up in Canada But my favorite player growing up was Mike Medano of the Minnesota North Stars later the Dallas Stars I went to the University of Vermont uh, through the American school system. I was a dropout. Sorry, <laughs> Benny, I know you're a Dartmouth guy. You,
1: you go to college to get a job. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. You turned <laughs> out pretty
2: well. I felt like I could get a job after my second year of University of Vermont, but um, I take great pride. I live in the U.S. now, married an American, so I think it's great to see uh, all these great American players coming up through the U.S. and, and doing great things in the National
0: Yeah, and you were teammates with one of the best ever, uh, Patrick Kane. An American, and I mean, we see the influence of Austin Matthews, Patrick Kane. You look at the Kachuk Kachuk brothers, uh, the Hughes brothers now, but Patrick Kane has really raised the bar as far as you know the next generation of American-born players, and he is that role model. You talk about growing up watching Modano he is the guy that so many players right now are growing up watching and wanting to be.
2: A hundred percent. And it's amazing to see his influence on the younger generation. When he first came into the league, Benny, you'll probably remember, used to chew on that white mouth guard. Now you see some of the other kids, Clayton Keller's doing that. Matthew Kachuk does it as well. Watch the celebrations on any given night of the National Hockey League. Uh, they resemble a lot of the celebrations that Patrick Kane has done in his career. He was a A confident kid at 18, 19 years old, and he used to do the one knee down, big fist pump, uh, get excited to score, and now you're starting to see kids kind of following his footsteps. I think it when it, it's all said and done, Patrick Kane is the greatest American-born player at the end all of his right. career.
0: All that and much more to look forward to Sunday. Our coverage begins at noon on NBC with Hockey Day in America. A great conversation, by the way, also between Mike Tirico and Al Michaels, recapping uh, Al Michaels's memories from that miracle on ice uh, 40 years ago. It's incredible, um, but looking forward to that conversation as well as all the other stories we're going to have throughout the day for you guys. But unfortunately for this episode of Our Line Starts, it's time to wrap things up. And remember, a new episode drops every Wednesday. You can subscribe for automatic downloads wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.